checking mic number one, checking mic number one. Isn't this a lot of fun? It is a lot of fun. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be here today. Wow. And the home of the Welcome to episode 45 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. It is also snowing here in New York. Actually, it is not snowing as we record, but it snowed quite a bit today. Uh, If you listened to one of our scrimmages, which debuted just about a year ago, and you'll hear a little bit about that later in the show, you may remember that shoveling is actually a great way to train for hockey. And if you don't remember what I'm talking about or you never listened to it, go back and listen. I think it's scrimmage number two or scrimmage number three, way back in February of 2016. Go give it a listen. James has some great tips for training. Speaking of James, how are you, sir? Well, yeah, just like you said, it's snowing outside, so I think I speak for everybody from the LIQ that I'm a little bummed out because we were supposed to play Saturday, and it's probably not going to happen because there's snow on the ground now, and it will be there, I'm sure, on Saturday, too. uh, I'm sure. How are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. Uh, You know, same old, same old, I suppose. It's good to be doing the podcast, especially this podcast, because we have a podcast jam-packed full of stuff. For your Hit the Deck number 45, I think you're going to enjoy it. I think James and I are going to enjoy it. So why don't we get right to it? What do you say, sir? You got it, my friend. All right. Well, then, (laughs) in that case, why don't we hop right into our starting lineup? And for tonight's starting lineup, in goal, as ever, I am the American Rhino, number 35, Gary McComiskey, and my illustrious co-host... On defense, number four, I'm James Sajazi, and we have a very special guest with us this evening. Sue Guarneri, hit the deck super fan and spectator. Thank you, Sue. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me tonight. If you can hold that thought, Suzanne, we will be very happy to get right back to you in just a minute. But first, we have a little bit of business to take care of, because as you are a super fan, you are well aware that on every single podcast, before we jump into the meat of the show, we have to do a little thing to inform you, the listener. So if you would not mind my great companion, my stalwart friend, the rock of this podcast. James, would you please, please, please be so kind as to tell Suzanne and I what is on deck for this show? It would be an honor, sir, and you are way too kind. But uh, as you know already, face-off circle. It's Superfan Sue. We finally have the honor of bringing number one hit-the-deck fan Suzanne Granieri into the face-off circle and introduce her to the rest of the HTD family. The bandwagon. It's been a while since the American Rhino and I jumped on, so here's a quick refresher. 
Gary and I will talk about what everybody else is talking about, but with our hit-the-deck point of view. The topic for this podcast, former New York Nick Charles Oakley getting arrested while at a recent Clippers-Knicks game in MSG. And happy anniversary to us! Like Gary alluded to before, episode one of Hit the Deck went live on 2-12-16. Happy anniversary, American Rhino. Thank you for this podcast, and thank you to our great listeners and guests that have supported us the whole year. And that's what's on deck. And thank you, James, for that recap and for the kind wishes. They are sincerely echoed by myself, but... Enough of that. There'll be plenty of time to pat ourselves on the back later in the show. For now, as you mentioned, we have a very, very, very special guest. All right, it is time to talk to Suzanne. Now, I just want to give you a quick heads up. When we recorded this interview, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the fourth wall here. This interview was pre-recorded. When we recorded this interview... I had a little kerfuffle with my equipment, and so the first five minutes or so of the podcast are going to sound a little strange. I I tried to fix the sound quality as best I could, but it still sounds a little bit like we're recording underwater. It's only the first five minutes, and as the public service campaign in recent years says, it gets better. So um, please enjoy. Sue, we are so very happy to have you on the podcast. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, it's a thrill for us, too, because we've mentioned it many, many times in the past. Superfan Sue, and here she is on our air. So In the so flesh. For, yeah, yes. for, for being such a great supporter. We appreciate it so much. And uh, finally, we can introduce you to all of our other listeners out there and uh, see why we love you so much and appreciate you so much and why you're so cool. Wow. Thank you. So one thing that Gary and I do in the past when we have a, a guest is uh, to introduce him or her to the listeners, and so we can join the big Hit the Deck family. And we call it the face-off circle. So the idea behind that is that we kind of have the same set of questions for everyone, so we can get to know each other and uh, take it from there. So, super fan Sue, if you don't mind if that's what we refer to you as. Not at all. Um, first question is kind of a little bit different than what we usually do, but uh, how long have you been a hockey fan? I have been a hockey fan probably since the New York Rangers won the Stanley Cup in 1994. I don't come from a hockey family. I was probably the first person in my family to start following hockey regularly, although now my dad is a New York Rangers fan and has rocks his jersey and his New York Rangers you know, sweatshirt and, and hat during hockey season. So... <laughs> So yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of peg it to the '94 Stanley Cup Finals. I was in high school. I was a freshman, sophomore. Uh, I don't know. I was in eighth grade, so. Okay, so I was a freshman. So. <laughs> yeah, I was a sophomore, and then yeah, 22 years ago. So yeah. Okay. So now our listeners know you if if they are long-time listeners of any stripe of the podcast, they will know you as a Devils fan. So how did you become a Devils fan um, in a Rangers uh, environment, let's say? It's such a long, long journey to become a Devils fan. So I started off as a Rangers fan. My favorite player at the time was Peter Nedved, and the Rangers traded him I believe, to the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
And so I started, was still a Rangers fan, but then started following Pittsburgh. And then I believe he got traded a few more times after that. So for a while, I was currently without team. And my late husband was actually a huge Devils fan. So I kind of joined the bandwagon with him and am still a Devils fan today. All right, so that, that definitely explains that. And I'm glad everybody can uh, can still relate and, and not disown you or anything like that. Thank you. I appreciate that you let the Devils fan no. come on and, and, and talk to you, to Ranger fans. We appreciate it, too, because we try and be, uh, you know, it's a podcast for all deck hockey fans and hockey fans in general, so that's good to keep us on our toes and make sure that we're not homers and everything's Rangers, this, Rangers, that. So we appreciate that. And, uh it's good, especially with the All-Star game that they're recording this podcast going on, and we can all root for the same team and be happy when the Metropolitan Division wins. So that's yeah. pretty cool. But uh, interesting, Pat, and, and fascinating, so cool. And uh, we admire your loyalty, too. So that, that, that's saying a lot, especially being a girl from Queens, sticking with the, with the devil. So I know, I know. Stuff. It's such a track to get to the rock. Yeah. <laughs> so have you played deck hockey in the past at all? I did. When I was much younger, I want to say uh, myself and my brother, and we had a group of childhood friends that we're actually still friends with, and we would go to our local park, which was the public school playground. And I never realized that what we did was actually deck hockey, but we used to run around in sneakers playing hockey with a plastic puck. And so I did that a few times. Was not very good. I don't think we had any positions. I think we just ran around chasing the puck, and you know, as well, children do. Yeah. Yeah. So not very serious, but yes, I have I have played a boat with many many years ago. Okay. And it is hockey and sneakers, so that fulfills the criteria. <laughs> but uh, growing up being a Nedved fan at, at all, uh, you think you would have stayed as a center or something like that or try and pattern your game after uh, Nedved has you continued? I think so. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I give Gary a lot of credit for being a goalie. That's a lot of pressure that I don't know if I could handle. Really, I'm just one of the few people who are dumb enough to let someone <laughs> shoot a puck at him consistently. Uh, really, it's it's not so much courage uh, or uh, fortitude as it just is just being dumb. <laughs> You know, and, and James, you too, being on defense, there's a lot of strategy kind of that goes into that, and you're, you're the last line, basically, before they get to Gary, so. Yeah, I mean, I have the benefit of a ton of gear on my person, so when they shoot the puck at me, it doesn't really hurt. James just lays out on concrete nothing but a jersey and maybe some shin guards, so, so he's... the dumber of the two, so just that, <laughs> that answers that. And uh, again, growing up, I wasn't a very good roller hockey player, so I figured, let me try and stick with defense, and thanks to the, my friends who taught me how to play, they suggested to start with defense, because you have to run out of skate, back with the forwards, and, and, and at least you could be productive, you don't have to be so much of the pressure that you have to score all the time. So at least you get to learn the game a little bit more. So once I figured I could be useful because I was always falling down, maybe I could block a shot here or there. Mm -hmm. And that's why I stuck with defense for, for that reason too, because I have no skills whatsoever. So if I keep getting in the way of people, it, it works. I'm going to call a quick timeout here because uh, I just realized that I've been doing something really stupid. 
So I just want to jump in here in case you've noticed an abrupt shift in the audio quality of the interview. I just realized that I made a rather stupid mistake in terms of the setup. We've corrected it, and so we now continue your regularly scheduled interview with Superfan Sue, already in progress. Another apology I owe to an excellent uh, defenseman being number four, Scott Stevens. So uh, I, I personally want to apologize to you in person for that because it's usually Bobby Orr's fans who I'm insulting by wearing number four and playing defense. No worries. But, uh, no worries. It's, it's really, it's, a, it's more a Dykstra, Lenny Dykstra yeah. tribute to, than anything else, right? It's true, right. But it just so happens playing deck hockey and wearing that number as being a defenseman. Sure. It's kind of heavy. Speaking of which, actually, if, if you caught the uh, 100 best hockey players of all time that mm-hmm. they just announced. Uh, how do you feel about your, your boys being represented there? Scott Stevens, Brodeur, and Nita Meyer. I mean, that's uh, well-represented New Jersey Devils. Yeah, considering how young the team is compared to the rest of the league, they were very well-represented on that list. Yeah, definitely not surprised with Brodeur or Scott Stevens. Um, a little surprised with Nita Meyer, but I'm, I'm sort of a newer Devils fan, so... You know, well, well deserved, I'm sure, and they're in some pretty great company with guys like Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr and Mario Lemieux. Yeah, sure. really, being in the same breath with <laughs> with living legends like that that that's saying a lot. But to the the Jersey credit too, as a matter of fact, speaking of the '94 season, mm-hmm. having the Devils and the Rangers going at it like that, being the two best teams in the East, mm-hmm. and then that was just such a classic uh, classic series, and then mm-hmm. the way it ended in a heartbreaking fashion for the Devils to rebound the next year and win the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. and then dominate from there. So, uh, you know, that's pretty incredible. And, and having the wherewithal to continue to be such a great franchise going through the late 90s and early 2000s, winning three cups and then making four finals, if I'm not mistaken. But you were a season ticket holder too, correct? For- yes, I was, which was a really great experience. And actually, I was able to cross one of the items off my bucket list. I was lucky enough to go to one of the Stanley Cup final games in 2012 when the Devils were in the finals against the Los Angeles Kings. So that was a lot of fun. Not great seats, but just to be in the arena and to be a part of the energy. And the Devils didn't lose that night, so they avoided the sweep. So it was... It was a good night to be a Devils fan, Excellent. but they lost very shortly thereafter. Well, so. yeah, we, we, the Rangers felt that sting, too, a couple of years later when the Kings came and beat us, too. So thanks a lot, Mike. But anyway, uh, <laughs> a thrill. I've never, I've never been to a postseason hockey game. Well, actually, I have, but uh, early rounds mm-hmm. and lucky enough to get tickets there. But to be in a Stanley Cup final mm-hmm. in the building, I mean, was that, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of... Tell us about the energy and the excitement leading up to it. And Oh, you know, it, as a season ticket holder, just to kind of... The Devils are really great to their season ticket holders. They they have a lot of meet and greets with the team, and they do a lot of uh, special giveaways, which which is... It's great. They, they really try and make it kind of um, very fan-friendly, making everything very accessible. So we were very lucky that we were able to kind of have early access to the Stanley Cup tickets so we definitely jumped on those when they became available but yeah basically just walking into the rock which is a beautiful arena if anybody has been lucky enough to to go and watch hockey there it's a great arena for hockey i think it was built specifically for the Devils, so there's great angles in there um it's set up really nice it's just it's very comfortable being in there so yeah my understanding is their scoreboard is even at center ice Nah. Which, uh, you know, is a, apparently a luxury for new NHL arenas. Yeah, I, uh, on behalf of everyone from Brooklyn, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have not been to the Barclays Center yet, so. 
you're really not missing much. Um, you know, uh, growing up as, as a lifelong hockey fan, and I have many, many friends who are Islander fans, family too. Mm-hmm. So I'm not one of those Ranger fans who hates the other teams just for the fact that there are other teams, mm-hmm. you know. But um, I've gone to quite a few Islander games at, at Barkley Center because that's, mm-hmm. for me, growing up a, a sports fan, especially from Brooklyn. We had the Dodgers ripped away from us and so on and so forth to have a professional team in our backyard. We don't have to go to the city or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was great. I and mean, if you sit on certain angles, it's fine. Like if you're on one side of the, the arena behind one of the goals, it's like you're in any arena. But exactly, the Barclays Center kind of screwed things up a little bit. And I don't know if the Dolans were behind it either over there at MSG <laughs> because the original plans were they were going to have the Islanders play there and share with the Brooklyn Nets and concerts and things like that. But then things changed and the Islanders ended up officially not staying in Long Island. And mm-hmm. But that's one of the great things about The Rock. And I've, I've yet to go there myself, so shame on me. But I, anybody I've known who've, who's gone there to, to watch hockey, that's the brilliance of it. That's your cornerstone. You get the hockey first and then everything else next. And mm-hmm. it really shows, especially for, for hockey fans too, it, it's a place you want to go and, and, and uh, it makes the experience that much better. And you can build the basketball around that, you know, because you get the, the, the rink out of the way. That's the hardest thing to do and mm-hmm. sight lines. And then I think everything else will, will fit into place. But the Barkley Center kind of did it backwards and whatever. So the Islanders will probably be going back to Long Island soon. <laughs> Or maybe even next to uh, City Field. I don't know. That's another rumor. Yeah, that was uh, one of the... It was a rumor before they signed up with Barclays to move in with the Nets. And then now they seem to be fairly unhappy in their Barclays Center home. So it has now come back pretty strong that they are considering moving to uh, a new facility that would be built next to City Field in Queens. So we'll see about that. So, yeah, maybe the Islanders will be coming to your neck of the woods now because my neck of the woods kind of dropped the puck, if you will. That would um, be very convenient yeah, if they did. So, Devils come to town. They're, they're in your backyard, so it doesn't get better than that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one of the things about NHL arenas is that they are generally built so large to accommodate so many people. Now, as I recall, when you had season tickets, you and uh, your husband, Ed, you had pretty good seats. I know that my wife and I were fortunate enough to have been invited to a game to watch with the two of you pretty much where your seats are, Mm -hmm. and they were phenomenal. But the drawback for these big arenas is that most fans don't have these great seats like you did. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and, And especially like James was talking about with sight lines at Barclays, you know, it's, it's really, there, there's a lot of, seats that probably aren't great seats i think uh just to to bring it back to what this podcast is all about deck hockey i think one of the benefits to the fact that deck hockey games aren't the most popular you know basically they're things that people play and sometimes people watch but it's not something that people go go to see by and large but i think with a sport like deck hockey, there is usually ample seating, as it were, and you can get right up close to the action. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not NHL caliber, it's still you can get right up there and watch and get a really good view of what's usually fairly competitive. And I'm just wondering if I, – I know you don't have a lot of experience watching deck hockey, Sue. Is that correct? That is correct, Gary. I have no experience watching deck hockey. So so I, I guess this is a good segue to ask, what do you envision the differences between a, a 
deck hockey game and an NHL game, which you were very experienced with. What do you imagine those to be? Well, I believe on one of your earlier podcasts, you explained that it's not as many participants playing? Well, the way we do it, it's not as many because, I mean, one of the nice things about, let's call it street hockey, because Mm -hmm. street hockey is, I would say, a subset uh, or maybe deck hockey is a subset of street hockey. I'm not sure. It's all ball hockey, Mm -hmm. but um, deck hockey has a very specific set of rules. Mm -hmm. And the way James and I usually play is more under the banner of street hockey, which is uh, we play in a smaller group on a non-standard, non-regulation arena. And we play with a smaller group in part because that's all that our arena will support. But okay. traditional you know, deck hockey, by the, the rule book definition of deck hockey, is actually five on five with goalies. I don't know if it's the same size as an NHL rink, but it's mm-hmm. close. It may be a little smaller, but it, it is fairly large. And so it is, you know, there's line changes and all the usual stuff. There is offsides, although it's slightly different from the NHL format, where uh, usually offsides in deck hockey is judged by the center line and not the, you know, blue line, Mm -hmm. because it's a slightly smaller rink. So there are some variations, but it, in terms of the setup of the team, it is by and large the same as you would expect from an NHL game. Okay. Well, for your arenas, so do you have the boards? And I'm, you can't see, but I'm doing like quotation You are marks. doing air quotes, yes. Air quotes, board, yes. Sure. You know, and the glass. So I'm assuming that there's not a lot of banking of shots off of... A traditional deck hockey arena, a a regulation, I'm going to call it regulation, Regulation. a regulation deck hockey arena would have those things, boards and and what have you, it would be set up very similar to an NHL rink. You know, street hockey, it's basically one of the benefits is you play wherever you can play Mm -hmm. because, you know, it can be loose and you can tailor the rules to whatever fits your environment. But where we play, yeah, we do kind of have boards. It's enclosed, which is why we play there. We play on like a double-sized handball court. So, uh, which... You know if you watched the live stream of our LIQ game a couple weeks ago. But so the way we have it, we have one solid wall, which is the handball wall. Uh, and on the other three sides, it's chain link fence. So it's harder to bank stuff reliably off of the fencing because as often as not, it'll just hit something, a post or uh, just a, a rogue link and bounce back at you. But if you can carry it off the wall, it's uh, pretty much the same as a you know, an NHL or a regulation deck hockey rink. Okay. Then I guess the only other difference I can think of off the top of my head is it's maybe not as fast-paced as the NHL because you are not playing on ice. You're playing on asphalt or concrete or... Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. It's not as fast in terms of the just speed of the players and the puck. You know, obviously, it's it's we play with a ball, so it's round, so it rolls, but it's not on a f- relatively frictionless surface like mm-hmm. ice. So yeah, it doesn't move quite as quickly, but I can tell you as somebody who's faced plenty of shots, it can move very quickly. <laughs> like a slap shot, it, you know, it it may not be 102 miles an hour, but you know, a slap shot can get you pretty quick. But for someone who has played deck in the past, uh, mm-hmm. the, the good thing about it is it's not as intimidating as watching. Like if you go to an mm-hmm. NHL game, you go to a professional ice hockey game, like Gary and I have gone to some minor league games in in, in, uh, in our time too. 
you look at them and you say, gosh, you know, I can't do that. But mm-hmm. for deck, if, if you felt like picking up a stick or something, Sue, or anybody else out there, you can, as long as you can run and, and you have some fun, you can, mm-hmm. you have an idea. You're obviously, I think, I dare say you have a high hockey IQ, so you could jump in, you know the rules, and uh, teammates and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think you could jump in and, and enjoy yourself very much. Plus the fact there's there's no hitting, so you don't have to worry about that too. Oh, that's very important. Yeah. Thank you, James. Sure, of course. <laughs> Anytime you want to come out and participate, you're more than welcome to. But uh, one of the things that we love and appreciate so much is that you've been with us since the beginning, Hit the Deck. So if you wouldn't mind uh, if you going into your listening habits of this podcast. Oh, my listening habits. So um, I commute into Lower Manhattan for work. So generally, and I do work at home several days a week. So mm-hmm. Uh, usually, uh, the days that I'm going into Manhattan and I'm on the Long Island Railroad, um, I like to listen to the podcast going in. It's a really nice way to start off my commuting work week, and, and I'm usually able to fit the entire podcast in by the time it takes me to leave my my house and, and get into Lower Manhattan. So Now, I've, I've asked this uh, – well, I've joked on the podcast about this in the past, mm-hmm. uh, but – I, I do seriously actually want to ask you, being somebody who has essentially zero experience, effectively, <laughs> zero experience with deck hockey, why do you listen to our podcast? Like, what is it about this show that's appealing to somebody with uh, such a lack of deck hockey experience? Well, I, I do know the both of you personally, and I think you are very funny, so... You know, to- well, looks aren't everything, right? That's the old joke. <laughs> Please, you're too modest, Gary. Um, you you break it down and you make it very easy for a non-deck hockey player to understand what you're doing, and you make it interesting. And for someone that, like myself, that is not familiar with it, I'm always interested to learn something new. I love hockey, and and this is another branch of hockey. So I feel like I learn something new every time I listen to you guys. So. Okay, uh, how, well, I say how with the expectation that this is going to be a positive response, but <laughs> I, 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 should, I should leave it more open-ended. Has your perception of what deck hockey is changed from before you listened to the podcast to now? Oh, absolutely. I never realized that it was as structured as it, as it was. You know, I was just under the completely wrong impression that what my friends and I were doing when we were little is is what deck hockey was and mm-hmm. and it's just so much more there like you had said before there are you know rules and regulations and and standardization so for me that that's been an education that you know it's there's not just there's not just ice hockey there's also there's also deck hockey so if you can't skate you can still participate and you can still play and i think that's fantastic so i want to ask you uh, you have off air. You have committed to. Well, you've expressed a desire to want to come out and experience. It. I say this like uh, you know, some kind of great magnanimous thing. But <laughs> you've come want to come out and experience the awesomeness that is a deck hockey game. Uh, yeah, we owe you as it is just for listening. Yeah, so. yeah but you, you want to come out and, and watch one of our games and you know see what it's all about. Uh, so. What I guess my question is: What are you expecting? What we would like to have you on again after you are able to watch and and see what your you know experience was and mm-hmm. see how your perceptions might have changed. But going into it, mm-hmm. what are you expecting in terms of what you're you're going to see? Hmm. Well. I do have a friend that plays ice hockey. No, not professionally, just amateur. So I'm pretty much expecting to see 
that, but not on ice. Yeah. I, yeah. All right. So, Sue's friend, whoever you are, you are the baseline. All right. No, I'm sorry. I'm busting your chops. But that's fair. You're expecting to see something akin to ice hockey just on a non-slick surface of some sort. I think so. Okay, fair is that, enough. Is that accurate? Well, you, you tell say? me. I, I don't you know. Okay. Think, yeah, as long as you know you're not going <laughs> to... You're used to seeing some high-quality NHL hockey up close oh. with your seats and stuff. So as long as you're realistically knowing that we're nowhere near NHL-quality style. However, uh, since it's on a much smaller surface and things, mm-hmm. it's a little easier to watch. Okay. And again, we really mean that. You're more than welcome to play. If you feel like it, too, even if, if you want to watch a game or two and mm-hmm. then take some shots in between periods or something like that, get your feet wet, mm-hmm. because that's the whole idea. And we do mean that, that we, we plenty of females are more than welcome and just as good, if not better, than the guys to play. Mm-hmm. And you can be of all ages to play deck hockey, too. So one of the reasons why we emphasize on the podcast is we try and grow the sport as much mm-hmm. as we can. And how we kind of got forced into deck hockey, if you will, is like, mm-hmm. as you said, a lot of people can't skate. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot less intimidating is too so mm-hmm. if you're if you're a girl and, and you feel like oh i don't want to risk taking a puck to the eye or something like that and you just put on a mask and a helmet and, and have some fun you know yeah a lot of sorry to cut you off i just want to elaborate a lot of deck hockey leagues are co-ed, co-ed absolutely. so you know it's not like uh oh uh we're, we're gonna invite the girl to play right. with us it's it is a very accessible sport so you know it's something that uh I, i'm you're under no obligation to come out and play with us, obviously. But I just I want you to be aware that this is something that women regularly play with men in deck hockey. That's another difference from the NHL games that you're probably used to watching. Mm-hmm. It is much more open in terms of who is uh, allowed to play, who you know is encouraged to play. So uh, that's just sorry. I interrupted you and I apologize. No, that's actually what I was going to say is um, I think it's fantastic that deck hockey can be co-edited. I know you've mentioned um, when you go to the Hockey at Rocky tournaments, you know, that there are some co-ed teams. And I think that's fantastic. And again, something that I was unaware of. So thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah, there's actually at least one league in Manhattan that requires some women on the team. I forget if that's Mafo or the... Blacktop, 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 Blacktop Street Hockey. But I Mm -hmm. think they require that there be at least two women on every team. Mm -hmm. Right. And as we said in the past, too, when we've participated in in Hockey Rockies and um, and Rose Tournament Mm -hmm. charities, I should say, is that I made the mistake of trying to be too gentlemanly (laughs) playing against the females. And I paid the price. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you got to you're not looking at who it is or whatever. You got to play the player for to play your top level, mm-hmm. regardless of uh, who you're facing. So, mm-hmm. again, like if you're more than welcome to come out. If you catch the bug, if you want to play again, <laughs> we could help you out with equipment and whatever the case is, but no pressure. If you have any girlfriends that are interested in playing, you know, so you feel a little bit more comfortable, but that's the whole idea is that it uh, should be for everybody to participate in because mm-hmm. hockey is a great sport, and I think one of the things that keeps people away from it mm-hmm. is, especially in, in America, mm-hmm is they just think of it as something Canadian and mm-hmm. there's always fighting and that old joke is I uh, went to a, a, a fight and a hockey game broke out, you know. Mm-hmm. So we try and dispel that and we need great fans like you and, and the NHL has plenty of female fans out there as well. So we could spread the word w- with deck. We appreciate it and we thank you so much for listening in and 
being a participant in the podcast too and hope to, to see you out on the, the uh, arena as well. well. You're very welcome. I may just take you guys up on that when I come down to watch your game. Anytime. We have, uh, in the LIQ at least, we have a very, very open door policy. So, um, you know, we welcome anyone who wants to play with us. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, Brad even set up a website for people to, uh, and we got a few players from that as well, to join. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's open to anybody. So, Yeah. I uh, last couple of times we've played, I've gotten picked apart mercilessly by somebody who uh, has some experience playing hockey and uh, has a, an exceptional shot. So, uh, Mark, so... I um, am starting to wonder how wise that policy is as a goalie, but uh, <laughs> all kidding aside, no, we'd, we'd love to have anybody who wants to play. And the better the competition, the better we play, and the, mm-hmm. the more you learn and things like that. Too, I think so. that's that's another testament to deck hockey is that it is so open to anyone that wants to play, whereas if you're dealing with ice hockey, you know, on an, an amateur level, you know, you I think you have to be invited to be on a team, and then you have to worry about, you know, securing ice time, and sometimes those can be some crazy, some crazy times, you know, like midnight on a Sunday. So Yeah, and exactly. we've never cut anybody. I, can, right. I mean, I can't speak for all deck hockey teams <laughs> everywhere, but the LIQ has never cut anybody. Yeah, I, I, I'd assure you, if, if I weren't friends with Gary, there's no way I'd be on a team. It's like, get out of here. Uh, out to carry the bags. Now who's selling oh. themselves short, James? You are oh. being honest, being seriously. You, no, I'm not blowing smoke here, James. I'm telling you straight up front, you ask anybody on the LIQ whether they want you on their team and you will be their first pick as a defenseman every single time. Well, we'll make uh, Sue be the judge oh. of that when you come out to see. That's a lot of pressure, guys. <laughs> Not at all. Just, we, <laughs> we need an objective because, as you said, Gary's too humble. He's too kind. So we'll get a, a real objective fan point of view who's seen the best play, Mr. Scott Stevens, for so many years and other great defensemen in the, in the Devils organization. And Martin Brodeur is arguably, I was watching the NHL Network the other night, and you'd be happy to know, he was voted the number one goalie of all time. Oh. So that's really saying an awful lot. So Gary and I will hold our tongues, but out of respect for you. <laughs> so yeah, you will be the supreme arbiter of James's oh skill. Oh and, and please, <laughs> if, if I put you to sleep, don't keep focusing on me. Watch the good players. And uh, believe, I'll be like half a step behind everybody anyways. So. James, there's no way she's going to be put to sleep by your play because every few minutes it's going to be, is he okay? <laughs> yeah. Again, it's not a skill. It's just to do something useful. So get in the way of people. <laughs> but uh, that's another good thing, too, with, with deck hockey is you don't really have to worry about hitting or anything like that, too. Mm-hmm. But maybe you could nudge somebody here or there. And being to the Stanley Cup final, I'm sure you probably had to work your elbows a little bit getting through the hallways of the rock and whatnot, right? <laughs> yes. And we, had, we had the unfortunate luck of being seated next to Kings fans. So, mm. you know, that was not really fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, Susan, New Yorker, just taking the subway. You, you're it's true. It is a to, daily you know. battle for anyone else who Gary, you know, and, and James, you've been there. You've done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've heard my rant about the subway, I'm sure, if you listen. So. I do, uh, and I agree I'm, with every word that you say, Gary. Okay, thank you. So, um, yeah. All right. Fair enough. James, do you have anything else for Sue? Uh, just thank you so much for being such a great uh, supporter of the podcast. And it's our pleasure to finally have you on and introduce you to everybody out there. And now you all know why she is super fan Sue. Absolutely. Suzanne, is there anything that you'd like to uh, you know, put out there or, or you know, anything that we haven't addressed that you'd like to talk about? No, I think I think I'm good. All right, great. Well, then we look forward to seeing you out there, and we look forward to the indeterminate future when we will have part two with Superfan Sue. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks for being on. Thank you, Sue. Great interview. Really enjoyed it. So yeah, James, as you said, we are talking on this podcast about something a little out of the ordinary, a little out of our wheelhouse. We are talking about Mr. Charles Oakley, who fans may or may not, if you were familiar with the sport of basketball, um, if you were a fan in the 90s, Mr. Charles Oakley, who was a very, very beloved member of the New York Knickerbockers in the early to mid 90s in the National Basketball Association. You may remember that Mr. Oakley was the heart and soul of that Knicks team. He was pretty fiery. He never was uh, afraid to mix it up with the other team. He, he got really fired up. He was passionate. He would throw his body all over the place. And, and just he played a very hard-nosed kind of basketball. So um, that's the kind of guy we're talking about here. What you may know if you've been following the news in the last couple of days is that at a recent basketball game, Knicks game at Madison Square Garden, Mr. Oakley, uh, well, depending on which eyewitness account you believe, either he was somewhat inebriated or he was not. But the circumstances notwithstanding, what wound up happening is that he got into an altercation where he started to berate the owner of the Knicks, James Dolan, who also happens to be the owner of the Rangers, and he uh, wound up getting into a fight with security. In fact, there was one point where he was single-handedly fighting off about 10 security guards, and uh, they had to kind of drag him out into the hallway and basically sit on him until the NYPD could arrest him and bring him out. Now, here's my question. Here's the reason why I'm bringing it up. It was clear that Charles Oakley is very, very passionate, right? So at what point does that cross the line? Where's the line? I mean, it's okay to be passionate. Some of the best players across the spectrum of all sports are great because they are so passionate about their sport. But where's the line? You know, what's it okay to do to express that passion? And where do you have to stop, especially in a sport like ours of deck hockey? What's too far? I'm talking a lot. I apologize. But basically, the gist of what I'm asking is, when do you cross the line from just being very passionate and caring enough about your sport and cross over to where you're belligerent and you're no longer a sportsman and what you're doing is not cool? When do you become that guy, I guess, is really what I'm asking. <laughs> That's a great question. And to get to the deck hockey point of view, just to add my two cents in, and, and Gary and my brother actually alerted me of this story in the paper this morning uh, at the recording of this podcast. But I agree. The little I know about the Knicks, just the fact that they share Madison Square Garden with the Rangers, we kind of feel like we're cousins and part of the same family. So, yeah, from what I know about Charles Oakley, exactly. He was a hard-nosed, tough player and really put his stamp on those Knicks teams of the early to late 90s and was a big reason why they were always consummate playoff teams and stuff like that. But yeah, look, just I, I just as a from my own perspective, I hate to cut you off, but I haven't watched basketball in like almost twenty years. But back then, I was a huge Knicks fan. Like I was a, a, a I was a huge Knicks fan before I even started watching hockey. So 
this story is a little bit personal for me because, you know, I was a, a big fan of the Oakman and he was like the heart and soul of that team. He embodied that kind of brash, uh, you know, Knicks basketball. He was what Knicks basketball was back then. You know, the, the team that would just outwork the other teams because they wanted it more. So I, I'm sorry to interject, but I just I wanted to frame the conversation here properly. Yeah, and if you're paying attention, you knew that about the American Rhino. So we're, we want you to do your homework tonight on uh, Hit the Deck. Gary has mentioned that in, in podcasts past. But just to reiterate what, what the American Rhino is saying here, I'm trying not to come across like I know what I'm talking about here. But uh, bottom line is, yeah, I, I agree with you from what I know about Oakley and, and definitely deferring to you on that to uh, make sure that uh, I'm on the right track at least. But I'm no fan of the Dolans at all. So being a longtime Ranger fan and, and having the Dolans owning MSG and, and uh, Radio City and all the affiliates around it and ruining both franchises at long points, too, and just seeing all the silly PR that the Knicks are doing right now and tweeting about it and trying to defend themselves a little bit too much. So I agree with you, man. I mean, I can't imagine that even if Mr. Oakley was out of sorts or whatever the case was, be a little bit discreet about it, for crying out loud. The man had to pay for his own ticket to get into a Knicks game. I can't imagine Adam Graves having to buy a Ranger ticket to go see the Rangers, you know? Yeah, so, well, I think based so, yeah. on... I'm sorry, James. I think based I, on the article that I read about this incident, a big part of the problem that Oakley has with Dolan is that the Knicks uh, apparently have this uh, once-a-Nick, always-a-Nick campaign that they've been doing for the last few years and it celebrates all uh, or maybe I guess not all but a lot of the the former Knicks stars and and big names that have been on the team and have meant so much to the fans and Oakley has been included in none of them and so for somebody who did mean so much to that franchise and that fan base it really is a slap in the face and as somebody who was known to never be shy about his opinion, I think Charles Oakley feels slighted. And, you know, so he's he's very passionate about the fact that not only has James Dolan, in his view, completely screwed up the franchise that he gave so much blood, sweat, and tears to and meant so much to him, but he's also actively ignoring the man himself in the process. So yeah, and exactly. And and the point I was trying to get to, which will taken a little bit too long to make, is that, again, I'm not a basketball fan. I just kind of know the Knicks because of the Rangers, but I knew Charles Oakley. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes because if you're a casual fan or if you don't know a sport, but you know an athlete from that sport, that means that chances are he's really good. Maybe he's overrated or whatever the case is, but... Most times, hopefully, like everybody knows Wayne Gretzky, for example, if you're a hockey fan or not. So, yeah, I'm, on, I'm not going to go on the other side of the American Rhino nor Mr. Oakley either because that would be a silly thing to do on both counts. But anyway, to get back to the original point that you were saying, where is the line and where you should not cross it? We kind of delved into that, too, and uh, hit the decks past as well because when we play deck hockey – Obviously, we're most of us in the league are friends or know each other, and we're not competing for anything. We're not being paid to play by any means. No, definitely and, not. Right, and we're definitely not good enough to play NHL quality hockey or 
semi-pro or anything like that. I'm not um, qualified to play beer league hockey. Yeah, it, same here. Quite frankly, if you weren't such a good friend, I wouldn't be allowed to, to play on the LIQ either. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Stop. All you right, say right, that right. like every episode. Stop saying that. It, Please, they true. don't care. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, so for the deck hockey point of view, exactly. It, you, you need to show up for your teammates. You need to play hard. But uh, what Gary means by don't be that guy is don't take it too seriously. Now, yes, compete, have fun, try hard, but don't talk trash, for example. Don't play dirty, like tripping people or elbowing people or trying to get away with something against the rules where you really shouldn't and uh, be a sportsman that's that's the beauty of hockey is that it's a tough tough sport no matter what level you play if it's floor hockey if it's nhl and everything in between you're gonna get beaten up a little bit it's just the it's inevitable it's the nature of the game so just don't cross that line and a, a lot of the nhl players the quote-unquote enforcers who there's not many that's kind of not the case anymore but for guys that are just there to to fight and stick up for their teammates and the the you know, quote unquote, superstars, they shake hands after playoff games and, and all-star games and stuff. And they, they kind of put all that stuff aside and they're smart enough and intelligent enough to leave it on the ice, so to speak, where they don't really hold grudges. They're not, not like the NFL where you get these really thin skinned, dopey guys tweeting and talking trash. And why? I mean, you're just really making a fool of yourself, but you don't really hear any of that at all in the NHL. And that's one of the reasons why I love the NHL so much and admire it so much. So for the deck hockey point of view, yeah, just just have fun, play hard, practice, and uh, the more you win, the more fun it is probably. But even if you lose, if you compete hard and you play with your teammates and, and you, like Gary said, you you all for one and one for all, it's great. But don't cross that line. Yeah, it, it, like be passionate about it, play hard, but don't take it too seriously. Let me give you a hypothetical. Actually, it's not a hypothetical because it's actually happened, but it's something that I want to get your opinion on. I'm going to oh. leave it vague because I don't want to influence your opinion by, you know, giving you whatever. Anyway, so situation that happened a few weeks ago when we were playing in the LIQ. I don't think you were there that day. So new player scores a goal, an overtime goal to win the game in a, a very tightly contested game. And he scores on the goalie and he kind of yells like, yeah, that's right. Or, you know, something like getting really, really amped up and, and just kind of screaming in, in joy at his accomplishment and, and a little bit of trash talking in the process. Goalie tells him to settle down and he apologizes and just explains that he was really excited about having scored the overtime goal. Do you think that that player was justified in what he did, or do you think he crossed a line there to being that guy? Thank you for explaining it thoroughly, and sure. I appreciate that you're right. If Iggy's listening out there or any other lawyer, Gary did not lead the witness. So Exactly, because we could bring up examples like when we played at the uh, Rocky Sullivan's tournament, but to answer your question specifically, yeah, maybe he got a little too excited and, and lost control, understandably so, but... If he backed off like that and apologized and, and manned up, if you will, for lack of a better term, then I think that's totally cool. Because that's happened to me, too, where you kind of lose yourself if you're frustrated or something mm -hmm. and you score a goal and you go, yeah. And, and um, you know, I don't even think you realize it at the time either. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that at least that everybody, cooler heads prevailed and the goalie was cool enough to kind of put him in check and, and the player was 
even cooler to admit it and, and move on from there. And, and it, as long as there's nothing else that came of it, it's a dropped subject. I think that's great because then you learn from each other and you grow and you kind of keep that in the back of your mind. So I, right. maybe he just got a little bit too excited yeah. and, and kind of had to come back down to, to worth a little bit. So. All right. I was the goalie in that situation. I didn't want to tell you that beforehand because I didn't want you to get defensive on my behalf. In that case, whoever this guy is, tell me where he lives, what his name is, and I'm going for his knees next time we play. Okay? All right. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So good. So thank you. What about if – okay, let's say let's say your goalie gets you know intentionally bumped or, or you know run, let's say, in the crease – and you know, is it is it okay to go after the player physically and and maybe not deck him, but or her? Well, I'll I'll just say him for the for the sake of not complicating things with male female politeness and and the politics of gender, because that that's a whole other can of worms. So let's just assume in this scenario, everyone playing is male. So guy runs your goalie. Is it acceptable to get a little physical and? get up in that guy's face, maybe shove him around a little bit to make sure that he knows he's not allowed to mess with your goalie? Or is that going over the line in a friendly game of deck hockey like we're encouraging? Definitely, it's it's definitely going over the line because the whole point of deck hockey is it's not ice hockey. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have specific creases that we have the time to draw and, and, and display so if you're going, I'm sure in the Milek rules and, and the deck hockey rules that the goalie is as off limits as in the NHL. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have creases specifically to make sure that the goalie is as protected as he should be or sh- or she should be. So, yeah, you don't don't you don't do that at all. Um, if you want to screen the goalie and do things like that, I'm not a fan of being a defenseman, but. Then, okay, then then you're kind of accepting the fact that if I'm going to plant myself in front of this opposing goalie, I better get prepared to be pushed and kindly moved out of the way, not necessarily elbowed or, or, or speared or, or cross-checked or anything like that, but be ready to get shoved and, and pushed around a little bit. So, okay, exactly. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm not – I just want to – clarify i'm not talking specifically about the act of running the goalie i'm talking about the retribution i'm asking about if somebody runs your goalie if you think it's acceptable to then turn around and take a run at that guy and maybe shove him and get a little physical with him to let him know that's not okay is that crossing a line as opposed to maybe just kind of bumping him and saying yo leave my goalie alone okay if i were carlos size then yeah i'd I'd beat the guy (laughs) to a bloody pulp but being my size, I have to be a little bit more um, diplomatic, if you will. So what I was trying to say before is that you go into deck hockey knowing that there are certain things you do and there are certain things you don't do. And there's no cross-checking. There's no none of that stuff in deck hockey. So mm-hmm. if someone runs your goalie, then either you stop the game immediately. First of all, make sure your goalie's okay. Well, okay. Because if, if he gets hurt, then then that makes things a little bit different. Like, uh, for example, if somebody goes after your knees or something because it's a miracle that you play at all, then that's really specific and uncalled for and maybe uh, non-cooler heads need to prevail there. But if it's just like an intense guy playing a little bit too seriously and thinking that he's, uh, you know, Tai Domi or something, then at minimum stop the game and say, listen, we don't play like that. 
And if he does it again, then, yeah, I mean, you kind of hold him down and let the, the goalie pull a carry price on him, I guess. But, you know, exactly. My point of view is you don't do that at all. If it does happen, you got to stop and, and give a, a warning shot across the bow by stopping the game and kind of calling the guy out. And if it happens again, then he's on his own and you're, you're kind of asking for it, you know? All right. So just I, I appreciate that. Thank you. So just to wrap things up, give me general rule of thumb. Uh, and I, I know it's tough without specifics, but just general rule of thumb. Where is the line? What's acceptable in terms of being a passionate player and what's crossing a line? Well, my point of view is, and again, being a Catholic, and I think I'm speaking for Gary here too, for, for all Catholics and, and people that try and be good people, if you're an atheist or whatever the case is, if you just have enough common sense that you respect each other. And, and, and for myself, being a weekend warrior, I've never been good enough to ever play on organized teams of any sort be it baseball or golf or hockey or football. So I've always been a casual player and kind of taken that point of view where I'm not a pro, I'm not going to be a pro, so let's have fun and play clean. That's always my point of view. So for the deck hockey thing, it, exactly, not being that guy and not crossing the line, first of all, means behaving yourself. It means you're there to have fun. It's not like where it's the kids, everybody gets a trophy type thing. <laughs> Definitely compete, try and score, try and block shots, play within the rules, but don't look to hurt anybody. Don't look to try and get away with something. There, I, there's nothing I hate more than a sneak. Maybe a bully. Maybe I hate a, a bully more than a sneak. I don't All know. Right. But uh, yeah, it, it's as a weekend warrior, you're limited to your abilities. So no one's watching. There's no TV coverage. There's none of that stuff. You're just there for the love of the game and to play it at any level you're able to and to probably play with a bunch of friends usually. If not, then I'm sure your teammates are friends of yours if you're not competing against other people that you know or not. Sure. So, yeah, just, just put it into perspective. Cooler heads prevail. Play hard. Have fun and stay within that perimeter. Uh, keep your head on your shoulders and don't do anything stupid. Stupid meaning... Like we said before, just bending the rules or trying to get away with a sucker punch or anything like that. It's uh, that that's really to me. Don't be that guy. That's what that guy is. Can't play well with others, if you will. All right. Thank you. I agree. I agree. Thank you for that, James. And with that, I think we can hop off the bandwagon for this particular show. All right. That that was cool, man. I enjoyed it. Thank you. No, Mr. thank Garrett. you. And uh, speaking of enjoying, uh, happy anniversary, man. I mean, can you believe it's been a year already? Uh, you know, I say the same thing about my marriage. In some ways, it feels like we just started. And in other ways, it feels like we've been doing this forever. You know, it's like uh, just recording the podcast is what I do on Thursday nights now. That's the, just it's it's part of my routine, you know? I know we've missed some shows here and there due to unfortunate circumstances, often beyond our control, usually beyond our control. But yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, I, I, I yeah, it, it's hard to believe that it's been a year, but by the same token, it just feels normal. So <laughs> I'm not surprised we've been doing it for a year in some ways. Yeah, and really, you're too humble, but uh, you got to take the credit for it. Coming up with the idea, recording it, and and getting all the Facebook page and Twitter pages and and, and the Instagram page up, and um, really making it look and feel professional, and and bringing the best out of the both of us, I think. 
and I've enjoyed it so, so much. And I really appreciate you inviting me to be a part of it. And it's a humbling and, and great honor to be a part of this podcast. So I hope everybody else hears that in the recordings of these, that we really do give it our all. Speaking of bringing our A game and things like that, no matter what's going on with our lives either, we kind of put everything aside and try and be as professional as possible. So I exactly Thursday night. This is I'd rather be doing nothing else. So not even playing deck hockey, actually. So <laughs> thank you, sir. It's been great. No, that, that I, I agree wholeheartedly. And you, James, I don't want to bore the listeners to tears here, but something they probably don't know because you would never admit to it. But you had the idea for this podcast before I did. I just happened to be the one who mentioned it first. So don't don't give me all the credit for this. This is as much your baby as it is mine. Yeah, well, well, yeah, I just don't want to take credit because I'm too humble because it's what no, I do because no. <laughs> uh, no, you're the best and I'm dumb. Stop. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I think it was I think it was Wayne Gretzky that may have said this as a matter of fact that you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. So I didn't bring it up, even if I did come up with the idea first, which I don't think I did. I didn't say anything about it. So I emailed you and said, hey, I've got this crazy idea and it's nuts. And I know it's going to sound crazy, but I think we should do a podcast. And you said to me, you know what? I actually had the same idea. I just didn't want to say anything. So Uh, you had the idea first. No, 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 no. I'm waving. My, I was, I'm I, wagging my finger at James. I know you can't see that because podcasts, as we have mentioned, are an audio medium and therefore don't have the visual component required for you to appreciate what I'm doing. So I'll say I'm, I'm wagging my finger disapprovingly at James to say, no, no, no. You just just take credit for the idea and stop. Just, that, that, that's it. Just take credit. Good. Good. <laughs> Credit has been assigned, and you will take it. The rhino has spoken. Fair enough. And, and sincere right. thanks to all of our guests, especially Sue. It was wonderful finally getting her on the air, and uh, she's been with us from the beginning. I agree and- with that. And, and before we move on, I just want to say, of all the very, very, very difficult contests I've competed in, in goal, I think getting James to take a compliment just now, I think that may have been one of the most difficult and one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. But if you wouldn't mind, uh, please giving a shout out to your good friend, Anthony, for one of the most cool things I've ever seen in the history of this podcast. Oh, I'd be happy to. I would like to thank listener Anthony Novello, who I believe on our second podcast, we mentioned a, a comment that he made. So he's been with us since the beginning. So, um, Anthony, we, James and I, would like to extend you a public thank you here on the podcast. Heartfelt thank you for uh, this week taking a picture of himself playing in his deck hockey league in his Hit the Deck t-shirt and posting it on Facebook and on our Hit the Deck Facebook page for all to see. It was a great show of support. Um, we appreciate the picture and we appreciate you helping to spread the spread the good word about the Hit the Deck podcast. And you are one of our treasured listeners, one of our, our very valuable listeners. And I hope you realize how much we appreciate the gesture. Absolutely. So well said. And also, 
we have to thank Anthony as well for when we did our Facebook Live post that Gary did a couple of weeks ago. Anthony was right there watching too. So just a really cool guy. We appreciate it so much. And uh, God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to give him a big head. So you're not that great, man. (laughs) (laughs) But really much appreciated. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. So I don't know what the next year has in store, but I hope that it is as much fun for you as it hopefully will be for us. And I hope that this time next year, we're talking about what exponential growth we had on the podcast and all the great things that we did and could not have done without the support of you, our listeners. And let's, let's us just uh, make a deal right here. You know, I'm in it if you are. All right. You down, James? You got it, sir. All right. So James and I are in this with you. It's a... We are forming a partnership here on this podcast. We are going to be partners with you on the Hit the Deck podcast and look forward to everything that's coming. So thanks again. And, you know, here we go. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Thank you, Pops. So just to reiterate, we would like to sincerely thank Suzanne for being on the show. We'd like to thank Anthony for his support of the show. We'd like to thank Pops for being the voice of the show. Anthony Sajazi for... Music used in the show, different Anthony. Uh, we'd like to thank you for listening to the show and always being so supportive and being so loyal to the show. I'm going to stop saying the word show now because I think that bit has kind of run its course. But really, thank you. Thank everybody, all of you, for, for a year's worth of great times. We want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, man, it's been a year. What are you waiting for? Subscribe to the podcast so you don't have to go and look for it. It'll just be delivered to your phone or your device or whatever. Really, we're trying to make things easier for you here because we care. <laughs> Subscribe <laughs> on iTunes or uh, or on Stitcher or on Podbean. Podbean has its own app that you can find lots of great Podbean podcasts like this one, please check out our website at hitthedeck.com. You know, our Twitter, hitthedeckpod. Uh, hit us up on our email at hitthedeck at gmail.com. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all those great things. You know the drill. I've been saying it for a year. You don't need to hear it anymore. James, please, what would you like to add? Just one public service announcement. Sure. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up, guys, so please don't get thrown into the penalty box for forgetting. And as Gary, as you always say, if you don't mind, it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. Wow, that's conditioned very nicely. (laughs) There's a lot of movement and body to that. (laughs) Why can't somebody look that good? (laughs) 